0: welcome welcome to know your roles we're back
1: yeah yeah it's like it's been quite the week in the know your roles family and community
0: yeah a uh, week or two years or however fucking long
1: dude who, who knows it's like a, it's been it's like i think the the world has been in the fog and, and even though the it's like the fog is like still here we at least we're able to see out of it so. yeah and that that's a positive as long as it keeps going down that's all you that's all you really want
0: yeah well you know we are uh we're here we're doing it We're regardless of you know the sky might be all falling around us but we're still here
1: absolutely
0: and, uh, we have a good show for you today we got friend and comedian selena Kopik.
1: yeah, yeah this author uh writer of uh new rules for blondes that uh, she was not stuck to jump on the, the pod with us and uh she's a Bostonian with a with a unique backstory and was nice enough to <laughs> talk Boston Boston slash New England movies with us and that was that ended up being a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a nice uh, entertaining conversation for y'all. And uh, first, we're going to do uh, some bar talk. George, what's on your bar?
1: So I think I've, I've texted you, and the audience doesn't doesn't know. So Steve James has got this amazing uh, docu series called City So Real, and uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Steve James who directed Hoop Dreams, which is probably the greatest sports documentary of all time, maybe when we were kings, is that's one in one A. It's I mean, it's it's right the, there. It's, it's one right of the
0: best there. films made in the past 30 years. I mean, it's, so, yeah. it's, so it's like, a
1: masterpiece. Uh Steve Jane, shout out. He's from he's from VA. And he also directed one of my favorite third favorite 30 for 30s, which is the Iverson uh, 30 for 30. Anyway, he's got a new docuseries that I just just snorted like it was a fucking pure Colombian cocaine. It's incredible to the point where I'm almost like I want to be in Chicago two years ago just so I can be living around when all this stuff is going down. For those of you know it's about the Merrill race in Chicago 2018 and it is wickedly entertaining and very Chicago and I I enjoyed the crap out of it. I think I had an episode left, but it's one of those things where like I I (laughs) there was a there was this docuseries that the Food Fighters did for for when which they they recorded a song in every city.
0: I kinda like that.
1: James did did like a version of that in every city in America. <laughs> it was like it was like, it was like so it's like city's a real Little Rock, City's so a real fucking DC, city's so a real Memphis. So but I I, it's, I the crap out of it so good.
0: Um yeah, we watched the first one. It's awesome. I mean, you know, for me it's it's a it's different because it's it's Chicago and and like there, you know, I said to you you were like something about the the politics being dirty and I was like oh yeah how much time you got um but uh you know so that's my 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 sense is that like it's it's a really ambit, it's so ambitious very ambitious story because you know you got to pull so many layers back to tell the story of Chicago because it's kind of a microcosm and like how the things work there but but it is it's so good and Steve James is also like you know he he is from VA but he has lived in chicago for many years and and he's done you know hoop strings this is about chicago he also did the roger ebert movie uh life life itself which is very good yeah he's he's a great documentarian and yeah the first i'm i i hope i've only watched one i hope that they, they have there's like a really strong revolutionary uh abolitionist tradition in chicago and i'm hoping that we hear more from some of those people instead of like it's really cool that we're hearing from people on the ground and then the politicians but like there's another layer that i kind of want to hear from but uh what's his name the radio host guy is fucking incredible he's a hero i forget i'm forgetting his name right now but um but uh it's yeah i'm, I'm into my
1: head because i'm like dude you don't even know
0: what they get like, into like,
1: yeah you dip your toe yeah it's like the dog is series gets real deep
0: i know but i <laughs> i know but like you know we could I could we could be in an entire book room full of chicago you know what i'm saying it's like a it's such a it's it's such a hist, it's such a thing but uh you know for me specifically but, but um but yeah i i'm really really excited to get into the rest
1: of it. i was thoroughly entertained by like uh the fact that it's somebody i mean it's it it plays like a like a feature i mean this one event happens and then this other event happens and in sets. sense the rest of this this series down it's like it's it's how tv is written it was like is they get this and this and it was like and the next thing you notice we're off and running It said, uh, no it's it's fantastic done and I, i'm the only thing i'm mad about myself was like i found out who won and i wish i hadn't done that but, <laughs> but that's 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 one of the more interesting parts of like the narrative that they're telling is because it's at the end of the day it is it is still a show so like it's yeah, I wish I hadn't found out who won. You
0: said that to me. I found find out who won. I laughed, but like, you didn't know who the mayor, like, she's kind of, like, she's a, you didn't know who the mayor of Chicago was? <laughs> it was very public. Um, I think most people watch it are already going to know who wins.
1: I think uh, like, unless it happened to like, I'm just how my mind works is like, nostalgia is just not my thing. Yeah. It's like, it's like the moment it happens, it's happened and I'm already on to the next thing. So at some point I probably did know back in, when she did win it, like in two years ago, but mentally I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I was like, I gotta because I can't get excited about anything. That two years, two yeah. years later, I was like, oh, oh, right. Yeah. right, yeah. My brain, my brain is like, I, I hate plans. <laughs> I hate like emails. I'm just like, I'm just like, yeah. Just yeah. let me know like a minute before, and I'll make sure that I'm ready for it. Yeah, it's like my mind is already like onto the next thing, and I and I probably knew at some point it was like it was, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That part, that was like she did win it. So yeah, I was mentally, I was like, I was already on the thing. So uh, anyway, what's in your bar?
0: All right. Well, okay. So for my bar talk, my theme is going to be stay up and stay on it. And I'm going to talk about a bunch of things to stay up and stay on, which one is the election results. This is the first show we've done since the election. I think is, you know, we talked about, you'll hear a little bit with Selena, but um, obviously for us personally, uh, I'll speak for myself. It's definitely a relief that, you know, we've, the mobilization of people and the movements out on the street and all that stuff, it's working. It's part of the reason, part of a large reason why we got this result we got. Um, But I just want to say as far as that goes, the complacency has already started and we need to make sure these results hold, first of all, because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about like about Trump, like staying in office and a coup or whatever. Well, he is, attempting a coup. Like that's, that's what they're doing (laughs) They're you know, by refusing to concede and all that stuff, how successful that's going to be. Nobody knows, you know, if you might think it might not be, we have no idea. We've seen things that we didn't think were possible in the last four years. So I would say stay vigilant on that. There's a great article in the New Yorker written by Jane Mayer called why Trump can't afford to lose, which is like, you know, about some of the stuff that we already know about how he's going to be prosecuted. He's, you know, potentially to be prosecuted which is after he gets out of office which is you know part of the reason why he's why he doesn't want to leave <laughs> um but yeah okay so that being said you got to stay we got to stay up on that we got to make sure the results hold and then when and if they do hold we have to then hold the biden administration accountable they have floated a lot of cabinet members so far a lot of prospective cabinet picks a lot of the people they've floated very dangerous politicians. I really encourage everybody to look at Sunrise Movement and the list of the people that they put together which is actually incredible. So definitely check that out and support them, donate and spread that word, and sign petitions and all that stuff because we do have a chance here. You know, the more the more noise we make as a society, the more you know, they always float these names and they see how the public reacts and hopefully if with big enough reaction we can get some of these names you know, expunged. Like you know, you mentioned Chicago. Rahm Emanuel has been floated for Secretary of HUD, which I can tell you would be a fucking disaster. But anyway, so keep up on that. Stay up, stay on it. The last thing, stay up and stay on. Yo, we're seeing it in New York. You know, we talked about this, but there's more closures by the day. The way that the officials and the media has talked about COVID, we're speaking about it with this language of waves and like we're in this we're, we're we're approaching the second wave or the third wave or whatever we're in it you know what i mean we're not it's not i saw something of cuomo and de blasio in the past week being like this is the last thing you can do to stop the spread it's like no it's not our fault like it's your guy's fault for not doing that so i just want to say you know everybody just be vigilant and also also you know let's mentally prepare for this winter because it's going to be we're going to be in. I mean, they've already Chicago issued a, a, not a not an order, but a shelter in place recommendation. You know, I, I don't think we should, we just have to be prepared for those things coming. That being said, I would also encourage everyone to keep involved in all the local stuff um, as far as stuff going on in the streets. All that stuff is still going on. There's still multiple actions every day, marches and direct action like I said, going on every day. And some of them are like very specific and targeted. So they're not like the mass ones you're seeing, but those, like I said, it is moving the needle and it is something we need to be doing. And it is something we need to be thinking in a who's around us and how can we affect the things around us way. Another thing that I would like to briefly mention that you can also do if you're not someone who wants to be involved in that way is mutual aid all of these mutual aid organizations are popping up in a lot of different areas. Uh, you can do this research on your own. The ones that are active where we are in South Brooklyn are South Brooklyn Mutual Aid, Crown Heights Mutual Aid, Kensington Windsor Terrace. And you know this is groups of neighbors coming together and organizing and fundraising to feed their neighbors. And it can be something as easy as delivering groceries or shopping for someone or just donating or showing up to a meeting. You know, most of the meetings are virtual now, but I really encourage everybody to check out mutual aid in their area. All this stuff we want to talk about, the global stuff about like who the president is or, or all this stuff. At the end of the day, we have to take care of each other. And especially in a big city, we kind of forget, we, we don't often know where our neighbors are. And it's really nice to, to, to be an active part of your neighborhood. And so that's, you know, again all these things that are happening right now i think it's it's just to keep uh to keep focus and uh you know stay sane because like i said we're gonna be make a make a list of movies for the winter because or or save uh save uh city so real so, so there's only five of them right
1: five or six yeah, or just, just stock up on our podcast and just keep listening yeah more. well that's true too. to take you through that because this is like episode 11 or 12.
0: yeah um, like uh, episode 14 but
1: yeah, <laughs> Again, nostalgia. It's
0: like whatever. <laughs> yeah. i am already moved on. Yeah, whatever. We'll stop counting at some point. Um, <laughs> but uh, I only do it because I like. I have to keep it in the files. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that is my bar. So we're gonna go ahead and we're going to play the conversation and, and game we did with Selena again. We're gonna be talking about a lot of different things and listening to her, and then we play. Our fun game of uh, Boston movies and where we put them in our rankings. So that's gonna be fun for y'all. So here is that that conversation. Enjoy.
1: The uh, yo, what's up? Hello. Hey, what's going How on? How you guys
2: doing? How are you?
1: You don't look hungover at right all.
2: Oh my gosh, I'm trying. Oh my god, I feel like dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> what did I even? That's what's so crazy. Like I didn't even do that much, but I was I was working till seven, and I had some wine while I worked. And then I went to Brooklyn, which is where my boyfriend's working and probably drank too much there. And then went over to my friend Jackie's apartment and just hung out there till late. And then I was supposed to do a dentist appointment this morning at 1030 on the Upper West Side because I'm an idiot. And so I just like called it that one sick. And I've been sleeping the whole day like a real trash bag. <laughs> I feel
0: like right now it doesn't take a lot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like if you, if you left your house, it's like, oh my God, I'm exhausted.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know know it's true. Yeah. And exactly. Like staying out later than like eight or nine is like, whoa, late night, you know? I know.
1: I'm so starved for like any kind of interaction just with anybody other than like work folks and not over some sort of electronic device. Yeah. I do go out. I go out hard. Mm-hmm. Because like we're not we're not gonna know when this is gonna happen again. Exactly. <laughs> like last night on Earth for some odd reason.
2: I know. I the, agree. Only,
0: the only thing I would ask you, George, is were, before the pandemic, were you not going out hard?
1: No, the <laughs> thing is, just like uh like I can go. It's like going out hard is like going out after work. Not how I consider hard. Like fair enough. I when I go out, it's, it closes at eleven. We got to get every all in. So yeah, I mean, I know. Like, Give me the tequila shot followed by the vodka soda followed yeah. by what kind of wine? Is this a port? <laughs> i'll take it Ooh. yeah like we, gotta, we gotta get out of here by 11 so just give it to me i, I think know. i know know
0: why a- you're hung over if, you, if you're drinking all of those things
1: yeah, yeah. It's, it's like mm. being at a wedding it's free food but you gotta <laughs> mix pull it up,
2: up <laughs> yeah well thank you
1: for coming on to our show i made a list with dave of some people that we're going to have uh on here and i mentioned it to you a few times how you should do our show so we're we're happy that we were able to make this happen
0: yeah me too yes thank uh, you
1: all all the good things that we could we could talk about there's a a Mm -hmm. lot of a lot of things we can talk about the uh i
2: know your email was very comfortable we're
1: gonna get into the game at at some point but the uh i have to you said something because we were just talking about it and it's uh I, i just watched it yesterday yeah,
2: yeah. Which one did
1: you May watch this Manchester by the Sea. Which dude did you hook up with? Did you say, could you text me? He was like, no, I hooked up with a guy in that movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, how friggin' mass is that? You know, it's like, oh, Manchester <laughs> by the Sea, I hooked up with a guy in that movie. But, you know? <laughs> there's a scene where like the redheaded kid is like in an ice rink skating and there's like a guy who's sort of like a coach. Like it's not a big role or anything, but um, you hooked up with like,
1: Kate Donovan?
2: No, no, no. It's like the other guy. Yeah, it's a guy who's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's so dealist. It's like, a, it's Amen. a local guy who I met at a bar in um in Davis Square. And he, it turns out he went to Harvard, played hockey at Harvard, then played pro hockey. So in fact, I wrote a, jo- a joke about him. You know my joke about like that pro hockey player? It's oh, about him. The dude. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so he just has like one role where he just like, it's supposed to be like an assistant coach. But when in the theater, I was like, I hooked up with that guy.
1: Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I hope that
0: you did. Did do that in it well, while you were,
2: <laughs> yeah, everyone's like keep it down mass trash yeah um, I
1: when I was watching I was like holy shit I was texting Dave I was like holy shit Tate Donovan's in this
2: yeah
1: I love Tate Donovan he's uh he's great He's like, yep. uh, every once in a while when I'm working out, a Friends episode would come on. And I'm not like the biggest fan of Friends, but he was a character on- uh
2: Yeah, was he someone's boyfriend? like Rachel's yeah. I think. Jennifer, okay.
0: Jennifer Aniston's
1: boyfriend. Yeah, okay.
0: I'm ashamed to know that, but I, I do know <laughs> that. Um
2: yeah.
0: Tate Donovan remember. used to be one of those guys that, you know, there's like, there's, he was one of those guys that I would see everywhere in yeah. New York 10 years ago, like on the Lower East Side going out to mm-hmm. bars. It would just be like, oh. Tate Donovan standing outside smoking this. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I guess, maybe.
1: <laughs> there was this documentary that came out like 10, 15 years ago. It was called I Was Fired. And it's just all these celebrities. They're friends of this actress who was fired from a uh, Woody Allen movie. And she was like, uh, you know, I'm gonna just do a documentary in which I talk to my friends about being fired. And Tate hmm. Donovan's I Was Fired story is so funny because it was a movie that he was fired from. And the first day of shooting just happened to be outside his building. Mm. So every day, he would walk
2: by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's delicious. That's delicious. Oh, like, my God. Every
1: on. day I was walking by this fucking movie I was fired from Oof. because they were shooting in my neighborhood. It
2: that's amazing.
1: So, Selena, so you are our first guest since last Saturday. And my favorite thing to ask people, because it is one of those huge moments in people's lives, is where they were on Saturday when they found out that Biden and Harris were had, uh, had been announced as uh, the president and the vice president. So we're going to ask you, because Dave and I have already discussed this. Where were you when you found out?
2: Yes. Oh my God. How exciting. Oh, I, and yet again, it's me being a trash bag. Um, I mean, if someone had warned me, Hey, Saturday is going to be a party day. Cause we're going to get good news. I would have had a low key Friday night, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know. So Friday night, my boyfriend and I were up on my friend's roof, just like drinking outside and then like went and bought a bunch of donuts like it was a late boozy night and then we we like to sleep very late so we were at Aaron's apartment and he lives in Williamsburg like among all the Hasidic Jews so like you couldn't tell that anyone had won anything. I mean, you couldn't even tell there was an election going on, you know, like, but my phone was just exploding. And then I looked at my phone and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And I went on this patio and it's just like silent, you know, I mean, like, no one's celebrating. But I said to Aaron, I was like, I just want to get back to Park Slope because I want to be celebrating. Because I was looking at Instagram and I was seeing all these people, you know, celebrating. So we hopped on the subway, hightailed it to, um, to my neighborhood. And I mean, so much fun. Like, so I was up in my apartment, and, you know, I'm above the traffic circle, and I was looking down, and there's people, you know, just like banging pots and pans. I saw a guy with two, he was driving his car and in the passenger seat, he had two symbols. And when he would stop at a light, he would just smash the symbols. <laughs> <together>. <laughs> it <was> so cute.
0: <laughs> that reminds me of actually being in Boston when the Red Sox won the Ooh, first time. Yeah. And there my favorite thing that I saw was. A guy was driving down to Kenmore Square, like five miles an hour. And the person in the passenger, because they they swept the series, Mm -hmm. the person in the passenger seat was hanging out the door, literally sweeping the (laughs) street. And it was like the best thing ever oh my god so, <laughs> that's yeah, that, amazing
2: that I have wonder. a friend who on that same night was driving and put her hand out to give people high fives <laughs> and literally broke like broke her hand because oh they were god. going too too fast in the car but she just like wanted to high five people I might have given some of those high fives I definitely <laughs> was like it was because it was like it was like ah oh it was magical know? Yeah. I know I was living in Southie at the time and I just remember like people were in the street with banging pots and pans you know yeah. it was just like crazy yeah but but on Saturday, I had such a blast. So like I was home, I see the guy with the cymbals clanging. I was like pretty hungover, but I literally chugged kombucha, chugged water, took to Advil, and then put on my backpack and had like a bottle of wine and some like rose in a pouch and put on my Biden Harris mask and went to Grand Army Plaza where there was a drum circle. And then in Prospect Park, there was like a ton of people picnicking, and there was a DJ guy who like was just playing music and everyone was masked. I mean, I posted it on my Instagram and some people gave me grief and they're like, Oh, I guess the pandemic's not happening. But like, it was such a wonderful day and it was open air and everyone's masked. Like it actually is quite safe. You I know? mean,
0: Yeah, there are things that we're doing that are way less safe than that. Like, and nobody's batting a fucking eye about them.
2: Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I was like, let people have this. But it was just so, I mean, it was so fun. And while, so we're all dancing and this guy's playing all great music. And he started playing "Robins Dancing on My Own, which is like one of my all-time favorite songs. And so, and I was like, "Ah!" So I was like in the middle of the dance circle and I look over and this other girl is freaking out and she's wearing the exact same Biden Harris mask as me. And we're like, whoa, like it was just <laughs> so much fun. But like, I think it was eight, 30. I was like, I gotta go. So I just came home, got some Chinese takeout, but it was a magical day. I mean, it just felt like after four years of nightmare, we could like take a breath, you know?
0: Yes. Very big relief. I think all of us mm-hmm. felt that.
1: It's funny, like uh, and Dave noticed, and I think I've mentioned it to you before. Uh, to the audience who don't know, there's like Selena Kopic is one of my best friends, and we talk all the time. And uh, I, I think I mentioned it to you before. It was like that I, I was not the biggest Biden fan, and there's some there's some voting things about uh, Harris and uh, when she was at AG of California that don't really
2: mm-hmm.
1: just, that just just straight up just bother me. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And okay. uh, but I.
0: Bad policies, it's okay to say that. Yeah,
1: they're, they're, like, they were, and, and they still are.
0: We're still happy that they are the, the choice.
1: Exactly, but for some reason, like, uh, I don't know, I was like, I felt something, and I hadn't felt anything from anybody since so mm-hmm. this Warren dropped out. So it was exciting to see people out and about feeling something too, seeing that Harris is our first female vice president. How did that make you feel? Because like, as a person of color, I was seeing that, oh, that's, I, now I feel something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, I don't feel something
1: for him, but I feel like collectively together. I thought like, I felt something for the two of them together and yes. that was, that was magical for me. So yeah. how did that make you feel?
2: Oh, I, it's so, it's really wonderful. I mean, I remember the day they announced it, my Aaron and I were out at my uncle's uh, house in Westport, like by the pool, which was dreamy, but like, someone texted me and I'd been hoping, you know, when they were swirling around all these different names of like Susan Rice or, you know, like, and I was just like, please let it be Kamala, let it be Kamala. Like she was, I really liked her as a candidate. I do think there's some things about her record that are like sort of misunderstood. Like I know she did a lot about LGBTQ bullying in schools to like protect kids. And, uh, but I know, I mean, yeah, like it is, it's tricky when you're sort of part of the criminal justice system, you know? But I, I mean, because, you know, Hillary was my girl. I was so fired up for her in 2016 and it was such a heartbreak and- you know, I feel like she's been raked over the coals so hard. Like supposedly she was a bad candidate. Like she got more votes than any white man had ever gotten until just now, you know, but Kamala, that gave me such a boost. Cause I also thought, I mean, how great, like I was so like impressed that Biden kept his promise, you know, like, and a lot of people were like, well, it's a gesture. No, it's not. Like, why is it only considered pandering or a gesture when it benefits, um, like minority groups or women? You know what I mean? Like, it's never pandering if it's oh, a white guy.
0: Whether know? it is, you're that's absolutely true. And and whether it is or not, it's still whatever you want to say. A representation matters, and and exactly. fact, and especially for like myself, a white cisgendered man, like everybody who fits that description needs to understand that like it does mean something, and exactly. it means something for children to see a Jamaican, an Indian woman, yes. in this office. That's that's power and that's change. exactly. So.
2: And exactly representation matters so much. And I think that people think people who think representation doesn't matter are used to seeing themselves represented constantly yeah, so it's, much. that's the default. Yeah. yeah you know, because it's
0: white cis men generally.
2: Exactly. Right. You yeah. know, like, so I think that they are don't the even understand. Yeah. Like, I don't think they even understand the power of representation because it's just so they're represented everywhere. They're, yeah, seen, I mean, they're the guy flying the plane. They're the president, you know?
0: Yes. Um, yes. It's taken me personally honest, a, a long time to realize like how much of a, you know, because I want to look at it from like a a macro standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, but that's that's what privilege is.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, yeah. And one other thing about Kamala that I'll say is I loved that Biden and Kamala and Harris had tangled in the debates and now they're teammates. Like, I just think it speaks to Biden's confidence. It speaks to Harris's like also her, you know, ability to work well with others, you know, like, I just think it's such a great sign that they kind of like butted heads and now they're on the same team, you know? Yeah.
1: She, she eviscerated him. On
0: that. <laughs> well, <laughs> and it's, and yeah. it's, that all has to give, like, that gives me confidence that she is someone who can handle herself.
1: Yes. Yeah. You know, know. Like exactly.
0: Regardless of man, like I, she can handle herself better than he can, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like <laughs> she, you know,
1: it's funny, like uh this week I was there's a there's a Kamala Harris podcast, which I like to listen to every episode of. Some folks thought that was uh like the old guard in like uh politics thought that was a low blow when um, you had that debate. <laughs> yeah. I was like, listen, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. This seems like a billion years ago, if you think about I know. it. It was, oh, just, I know. it was just like a flashback.
2: <laughs> I know. I mean, do you remember, do you remember, like, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg just, like, going at each other? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, my. yeah it feels yeah. like, exactly like, was that, a, we were living on Mars at that time? Like, just know. such a different era.
1: It yeah. was. I mentioned this uh, the other day to Dave. Just a uh, shout out to Eric Levitz of uh, New York Magazine, who has this quote, and uh, I'm going to bust it out today because I want you to like, get an idea and listen to it. Because I thought it was really cool that this guy said this. Social science research suggests that when children are exposed to female role models who defy gender-based stereotypes, it can lose the grip on those stereotypes, which is such a cool thing that this guy said in the New York Magazine,
2: so. Yeah, totally. And I think it's important, too, to think about, to see Kamala Harris as not just an inspiration for boys or girls or people of color, but, yeah, like, for white guys, too, you know? Like, I mean, I think... You know, so often when you ask, like, a woman, like, oh, who are your favorite comedians? Like, she'll list all women and a man would list all men. You know, and it's like, it's important to know, like, all of this inspiration should cross all types of lines, you know, and boundaries.
1: Totally.
0: You are what you are. You're a comedian.
2: You're not. Mm-hmm. You, you yeah. Know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's yeah, it was quite the day. I uh, didn't have the same yeah. experience as everybody else. <laughs> I was on the phone with tech support trying to figure <laughs> out how to play a record player, Bluetooth, and analog at the same time. Oh my the cats god. Are freaking out and I was like, what's what's wrong? I'm on the phone. What are you doing? That's so what I was looking to her. <laughs> and then, like people are banging, she's like flipping out, like wondering what the hell's going on outside. <laughs> and I I'm not really even realize that like it's things are happening and then people are yeah, finding yeah. out the first time. I just thought there was a parade going
2: on. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I love
2: it. Yeah. Everyone was like, it was so neat to like get the news from out your window, you know, just to be like, oh, is there screaming in the street? Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I had the same, a similar experience that you did, Selena, where we live right on the border of Borough Park. Mm-hmm. And then also like behind that is like Bensonhurst and Diker Heights and these areas that are very red, uh, yeah. both in voting and in COVID, which is not a coincidence. Yeah, um, <laughs> yep. But yeah, so I got it on my phone and we looked at each other and nothing outside nothing. <laughs> like 20 minutes later one person was banging on a pan so i went and got one just to be like you're not alone yeah
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah it's like yeah i i uh 10 minutes uh north of us in in uh park slope it was going insane
1: yeah and it was yeah. a good time so selena so uh, i was trying to think today where we first met and how long i've known you i think we're going probably at least like 10 11 years at this point yeah um, yeah and one of my favorite things about you is your backstory because your backstory is so unique as compared to the majority of my other friends whose parents are either they met in high school or they, mm. they grew up in the same town or oh yeah it was my, my parents the way they know each other is because my dad's good friend is my mom's older brother
2: Mm-hmm. your story
1: is completely opposite of that. So I want not you share your upbringing, your family, because it's it's very entertaining.
2: Oh, I love that. Because, you know, you always think your own life is interesting. And then you're like, is it to other people? But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think my parents are so interesting. They dated for two months and got engaged, which is like bonkers. Because it's not like, they. yeah, they grew up together and they knew each other. They were from polar opposite experiences. My dad grew up very blue collar, blue collar in Arkansas, Missouri, and then went to Harvard Law School, so moved to Cambridge, Massachusetts to go to Harvard Law after gr- going to Drury University in Springfield. And my mom grew up in mostly New York City. Her mom was a dancer in the Ziegfeld Follies and like a showgirl, and her yeah, yeah and her dad was like a banker guy. He fought in World War One. I'm not even kidding. Like, okay. like literally, the math blows my mind. He was born yeah. in 18. 18- I mean, yeah. It is bonkers. Like he was a Victorian, you know, like he was a Victorian era. He fought in World War One, and it was best buddies with Herbert Hoover and um, worked with Herbert Hoover doing a lot of relief, like the Belgian relief and served in the French army and then the American army in World War One, which is bananas. And so that, you know, like she had her debutante ball at the Waldorf Astoria in New York City. I mean, they were in the social register, like fancy New York City family. And she was sort of like, uh, I'm done with this. Her mom passed away and then she moved to Boston and was living with a bunch of roommates. And one of the roommates, they had a small wedding at the apartment. And so it was, her, one of the roommates was marrying a Harvard Law guy who was one of my dad's classmates. So my mom was like passing hors d'oeuvres and met my dad at this wedding. And he asked her on a date. They dated for two months, got engaged and then got married within six months. That's like, amazing. And they're going on 50 years. They're about to have their 50th wedding anniversary. Isn't That's that incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she's a democrat. She's very like, you know, does has gone to anti-gun protests my whole life. He's a serious republican. Like it's it's just fascinating. Wow. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I always think that relationship is is very interesting because i it's hard for me to imagine it but like you know like james carville and uh exactly yeah.
2: yeah exactly i mean like and i subject. imagine it's even harder now like you know i used to date republican guys sometime pre-trump i felt like the republican party like eh, it wasn't my thing but like I could uh, tolerate it, you know. I mean, now I think it's a party of ghouls, but, um, <laughs> but you know, like I, yeah, I, I, I like Republican Democrat. I mean, so like dinner time was always just like a political debate across the table, you know.
1: <laughs> in a way, that's actually kind of a cool way to grow up and like have like representation of like of parties. This is like yeah, had people like in a family that talked about things like that. It was yeah. like it was never we, we didn't do that in the Gordon House. It was like
2: mm-hmm.
1: listen to soul records and then we ate. And then my dad would pass out in front of the television watch it. <laughs> we
0: What's did that, team? but but like, that's interesting to get like the two opposites because yeah. then you have a choice, you know what yeah. I mean? With, like what you believe, whereas like most people, like they just believe what they, their parents believe until, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever breaks that.
2: I know. I know. I think it broke my dad's heart. Like, he's really into voting. And like, we all, you know, registered the day we turned 18. We went to the town hall, you know, and, and all three of us, me and my sisters all registered Democrat. And he's like, Oh, what have I done? You know
1: <laughs> you knew the writing was on the wall. The,
2: uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: See, so you, you leave and you, you go to school and then you just, New York was like, I got to get there. Why is that? Because I- you have roots here, but sort of, sort of not, you know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I have like an uncle here. My aunt used to be here before she passed. Um, But yeah, I mean, I went to school in upstate New York. And so the Hamilton network is very much in New York. Um, But yeah, after college, I moved to Chicago for one year because my sister was there and I was doing improv comedy. And I found it was just a tough year. I think that first year out of college, is just tough, you know, and then moved back to Boston, lived in Southie for a couple of years. And that's when I started stand up. And then I actually, so it was like two years into stand up, and I got laid off from a job in publishing in Boston. And I've always been in publishing mostly. Um, I majored in English, it just makes sense, you know? But so I got laid off from a job, and my boss at the time was this p- friend of mine, Anathea, who I think, George, I think you've met Anathea. Um, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's great, but she, I mean, bless her heart. She's like, Selena, wait, you just got laid off. Take this as a moment to really decide what you want to do next. You know, don't just like blindly get another job in Boston. Because in Boston, there's like two publishing houses. That's it. For publishing, there's not a ton of jobs. And I was two years into stand-up, and I was sort of like, I feel like the next step is New York or LA, you know, for stand-up. And so I really like credit her with being like, okay, you know, hop out of the nest here, go to New York. And it made so much sense because there's a million publishing jobs. And stand up, and then bless his heart. My uncle Jimmy has had an apartment on the Upper East Side, a six-bedroom, like pied a terre, or maybe five-bedroom, and he he let me live in it my first two years in New York. And I mean, that's where I met Obama. It's it's like just absolutely wonderful, and what a blessing of a way to come into New York, be in a safe building, and you see your uncle all the time, and sometimes your cousins pop by. Like it was so cool.
1: I love the fact that the, the you just glossed over. That's where I met Obama. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> NPD, that's where I'm in Obama. Yeah. Like, no,
2: no follow up on that one. Yeah, just dropping that bomb. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I so I um uh, I think you're living in Boston and uh, post grad at the same time Dave is in Boston as in school. What and part of Boston are you from?
2: I grew up in Weston. You know, like near Wellesley, Waltham. I grew up on the Waltham side of Weston okay. so yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm going to let the two you guys, like, uh, give me as somebody who's, I've only been to Boston twice, and and it was on my way to another place in Maine, hmm. uh, stopping at the bus stop for about an hour.
2: <laughs> so you really got to feel for the city. Getting, yeah. getting
1: <laughs> like, the, the Boston experience for about an hour, like, talk using the bathroom, and then coming back. So I'm going to let the two y'all give somebody who doesn't know anything about Boston, like, what makes that city great, and what makes it, like, okay, and... What's the like? Because I know nothing about it, with except for the movies I've seen.
2: Yeah. I mean,
0: I I would let you, Selena, do go on that first, because I I mean, I li- I went to college there. I went. Yeah. I lived Where there did before you, go to you. I went to BU.
2: Oh yeah, nice, nice.
0: Um and uh, you know, so I, I'll I'll fill in whatever whatever you say from like the outsider's perspective. Yeah. Um and I haven't been there in you know ten years, but yeah. But, uh, yeah. So what are your what's your what do you tell people about about Boston?
2: let's see I mean oh I one thing I like about Boston I think this is very similar to Philly you know it's I think it's similar among lower tier cities you know like not your New Yorks not your las you know like but it's just so scrappy and it kind of like I, I hate to say this and I love that they hate outsiders kind of you know like I, I know that's terrible but I just love that there's such hometown pride and people are just sort of like not that they're unwelcoming, but they're just sort of like, they are who they are. And it almost, some people, like, they're just almost caricatures, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just like Red Sox fans, sometimes you know, or like Dunkin' Donuts people, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I lived, when I lived in <laughs> Dunkin which Donuts is so people,
0: funny because like I totally understand what you mean, but the rest of the country, they just think Dunkin' Donuts is like just a place, you know. What I mean? know. I know. Whereas it's like, like in Boston, it's like in that it's a different, it's different. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah. I used to live on the, I used to live on the Dorchester side of South Boston. I joke around. I lived right at the close to the intersection of Dorchester Street and Dorchester Ave, uh, which is not in Dorchester, of course not, of course yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like it's in Southie but so I used to get on the tea at the Andrew or what was it, it was at Andrew Square it was the stop and there's a Dunkin Donuts right there and it's run by these three blonde sisters who are just like such characters like hi hey, honey you know like it's just you know and you're like give me a like large coffee coming up it's just so mass and I love it just unpretentious not trying to you know put on airs just very sort of I am who I am without apologies and And I love that, you know, I mean, and it's a beautiful city, the waterfront. I mean, there's so much history. Like when I was a kid, anytime any family friend came to visit, my dad would take them into Boston and do the Freedom Trail, which is, you know, like a walking tour. Literally, it's like a painted red line on the city, you know, past Paul Revere's house through the North End. But, you know, there's just like, Such remarkable history there. Unlike, I mean, I guess Philadelphia has similar, you know, but like it's just really unique. And yeah, and I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan. I don't know. There's just something culturally that always like it's very much sort of how I am too. I think
0: definitely one of those very like, you know, you can go to other places and get similar feel, but it's got a very specific thing. Yeah. And and for me, it was always like coming from Chicago, which is at least area wise, a gigantic place. Some people don't even realize it's bigger than New York area wise, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but Boston, it felt like a a big city in ways, but in a lot of ways, it's like a bunch of small towns. Yeah. Which is, it was just like a, it was interesting to me, you know, and when you're in school there, you don't necessarily get all of the, the flavor, but, uh because you're, you know, confined to the one space, yeah. which is which is weird because it's like not that big of an area, but yet oh, it's it's like impossible to get from one side <laughs> of the river to the other.
2: Oh yeah. Like without oh, spending I, like your whole day. I know. I know. I mean, <laughs> it's so crazy because it is it's a very walkable city. You walked the whole thing in like a couple hours. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, and the one thing I love about like growing up, like going to bars with fake IDs when I was young is like, you know, driving in Boston, good luck if you're not from here. Streets are never marked. It's all in a circle. Left turns. Yeah. Like it's totally illogical. I just, I remember when I I lived, I studied abroad in London um, my junior year in college and I was just sort of homesick for Boston. And like, I got back to Boston that summer and I was just driving the streets and I was like, yes, chaos reigns. You just got to know how to do this. And it was during the big dig. So like they're changing the streets every day and you got to find yeah. out where your exit is because it's not the same place it was yesterday. Like, yeah. and I love it. I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so just fast forward. So you, I think the first time I met, I, I met you, you were doing the, the Sex and a City tours. And uh, how does <laughs> how did you get to doing that? And because wow. uh, I know you're a fan of the show. I'm actually a fan of the show too. I think i told you. I've, I've seen every episode.
2: Yes. Today. I mean, also you're a Miranda head, right?
1: Yeah, I mean uh, Miranda's my
2: favorite. Miranda, yeah, Miranda. But also, do you dig Charlotte, Miranda mostly?
1: Yeah, Charlotte. I don't know. Like uh, the Charlotte storylines didn't really do it for me. I was like,
2: yeah, yeah. Miranda
1: had depth. I know.
2: (laughs) And I mean, there was that seminal episode. He's just not that into you, and like I like Miranda owns that storyline, and then I love when she says it to those girls, and they're like, "What a bitch!" And it's like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's actually great.
1: And that episode was like it's written by Greg Barron. and he. My favorite part of the episode is just like she's like you know I get it it's okay. You're not you're just not that in me. And he goes, no, I have diarrhea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. I know. That was amazing. <laughs> which is my
1: favorite part of the episode because I have the brain of a 13 year old. Oh yeah. yeah. He, he goes, no, I have diarrhea. Which probably, I know. Yeah.
2: So funny. So yeah. yeah,
1: you were doing the tours and <laughs> that had to have been like fun and just doing that. that yeah. Time.
2: It was a really fun job, but it was kind of bonkers. I mean, I always have worked Monday through Friday, nine to five and publishing. So this was my weekend job. And so for years I was working like six or seven days a week. um, And, and yeah, I mean the tour, I got it. This was back when I, you know, when I was young in New York, I would submit to anything. I, I remember I seeing on Craigslist, it was like be a Sex in the city tour guide. And I was like, oh, I love the show. So I sent in my resume, went in for an interview. You know, it's one of those things where Sometimes you apply for a job and you're like, I don't know if I'm actually going to get this or if that would work, but I guess I'll try. And next thing I know, I'm a tour guide on the Sexton City Bus Tour. I just... I felt like I was just sort of surprised that it all played out. And you do a lot of training with, you know, you, I mean, you just go to another guide's tours and just watch them over and over. And you play like a DVD of certain scenes while you're going by certain locations. So you kind of got to like memorize that DVD and it stops. And you had to like become a licensed tour guide in New York city. So I had to like, memorize a lot about like architectural history and zoning laws, uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then I was like, okay, now here's, where's the man fuck that guy? <laughs> <laughs> was like, I had to do so much studying and cramming for this test, but it was such a fun job. I mean, because I think I think New York can be such an intimidating place. I think you know it can be a, a snobby and unwelcoming place to outsiders sometimes. You know, and I really loved being able to share New York City and make it friendly and welcoming to fans of Sex in the City. You know, like, and I know that sounds sort of hokey, but. You know, I just loved like having 55, usually women, sometimes there'd be like three guys and I'd always like bust their chops, but you know, 55 women on a bus and uh, some of them are in from like Nebraska and this is their first time in New York and they think it's so fancy. I just loved being like, Hey, welcome. We're buddies now. Here we go. Like I'm going to be with you for three and a half hours or so. We're going to cruise all these different neighborhoods. You know, we're going to get off and have drinks. And while we have drinks, if you want me to write down names of restaurants or comedy shows or bars... I felt so lucky to be able to really show New York to people who I think we're excited to be here, but maybe we're intimidated or we you know, like staying in Times Square and are like, oh, well, I guess we'll go to the Olive Garden. And I was like, no, 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 walk West one Avenue, you know, yeah. but it was a really fun job. And all the guides, I mean, a lot of them were, were comedians, you know, like Amy, Lindsay, you know, and so it, it was like a little sorority. It was a lot of fun. We would usually spend New Year's together at the bar that was Stephen Aiden's bar. Um, <laughs> you know, the staff loved us because they knew us from always coming in. So it was just fun to have these sort of eight girls where if somebody was doing a theater piece we would all go and support or like they all came to my stand-up shows it was a really cool little family in New York
0: there's so many cool things like that in New York of, you know from the outside of somebody may think it, it's silly but it's a community because exactly what you said that everybody was a comedian as all the three of us know if the listeners don't there isn't you have to do what you have to do for money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, there's not, exactly. like you can't, you can call yourself an artist or whatever, but you still have to pay bills.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I know, which that was one thing that the tourists were always, you know, curious about that. You know, they're like, is this your full-time job? Sometimes I would be a little evasive because like you'd get better tips if you like act more, you know, like I'd be like, I'm a freelance editor or whatever. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, you know, I mean, it's it like, and then at the time I was running a Monday night show at Luca Lounge for a little while. And I was the Sunday three o'clock girl. So I would always recruit them. I'd be like, I have a show tomorrow night if you want to come. And like people would come. It was the perfect thing. And like, I just wanted bodies to be at my show. Like it was a free show and we gave up free pizza.
0: <laughs> and I feel like that, that audience is probably going to be very uh, pliable, right? Yes. Like they're there for that specific thing. You're yep. clearly like, you enjoy doing it. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's like, you, you yeah, got and they're like.
2: Yeah, and I think they felt very safe of like, oh, the girl who's our tour guide who spent three and a half hours with us yesterday has a show tomorrow night that's free and that's like on 14th and B. It's not that hard to find, you know. Just yeah. walk on 14th and walk all the way, you know.
1: Luca Lounge, RIP. Yeah, oh,
2: I know. Oh my God. <laughs> we're
1: going to, since we talked about a show that she loved, we're going to talk about a show that uh, I maybe watched four times. and uh, But I know that she loved this show. And so give me two minutes on why... One should watch The Bachelorette and The Bachelor. And <laughs> why it's a good show. Oh my God. First off, I was like, I, I did watch a season of it because the girl I went to college with was on it.
0: Ooh. That, like,
1: that's Yeah, rad. I remember, this is before anybody did anything, before the internet had been a thing for like maybe like an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a dude on there named Bachelor Bob.
2: Yes. oh, I
1: love there's, him. I like, I... <laughs> <laughs> I went to college with a girl. Shout out to Brooke... Brooke, uh, what was that girl's last name? Anyway, <laughs> shout out to Brooke.
2: Yeah, wait, did she have dark hair?
1: No, she was a blonde.
2: Oh, okay. She was on that season. That's rad.
1: She on <laughs> that season with Bachelor Bob. And all my buddies in college was like, we gotta watch this fucking show so y'all long Brooke lasts on here. Yeah. Bradford. Shout out to Brooke Bradford. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's so cool. Did she last long? Do you remember?
1: I think she was on for like three weeks.
2: Okay. Hey, that's so yeah, yeah, you gotta find out who wins. You gotta yeah. get that
1: rope, gotta
0: get that rose. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, so- that's and- that's a
0: bachelor, right? Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. All> right. <laughs> I think you said a rope, but I was All like, right. there's a rope on the bachelor that sounds even
0: better. <laughs> <laughs> no, they gotta give a rose. The funniest, the bat, have you ever seen? There's a, uh, I the forget, it's a
2: parody of it. It's yes, called- I forget yeah, her name.
0: It's, so it's called Burning Love
2: Burning Love, but yeah. the
0: woman who writes it is uh Ken Marino's wife. I oh, forget, okay, I yeah. forget her name, but um. But it's so fun. Oh, I know.
2: Yeah, and Ken Marino. I've seen that one where he's a firefighter and he's like, will you accept this hose? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. the hose. It's a hose. (laughs) It's so stupid. But it's a perfect parody of the show because the beauty of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette is like, it is in many ways so contrived. They're going on a date hang gliding. And like, you can tell, like you can sort of see the producers pulling strings of, okay, and now say that hang gliding is a lot like love because it's an adventure. (laughs) But you know, like, yeah, like some of that stuff, I'm like, woof. But, I mean, I prefer, like, the house dynamics are fascinating. You know, of which, you know, on The Bachelor, for example, like, which girl is sort of the, like, house pariah? Which girl didn't come here to make friends? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, the stuff is fascinating. And, like, just to see, you know, the ways, like, people will manipulate a situation or manipulate the bachelor or you know m- you know people will kind of get under each other's skin within the house i love to watch it also i just love the fashion and the hair i mean I remember a couple of years ago when Ombre, it was like just on the scene. It was like a big thing for, like, you know, a highlighting thing. And the first place I ever saw Ombre was on The Bachelor, you know? Like <laughs> there's just like, you know, and certain trends of fishtail braids or like the current wave that everyone does. I don't know. I just always love to see, it's as though like a bat signal goes out to like every basic bitch in America. And it's like, here's how you're going to do your hair this year, you know? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it's yeah. always represented on that show. And I love it. And, and then, I mean, yeah, you really do get, end up getting invested in it, you know? And, uh, and you watch, I also think there are many powerful takeaways, (laughs) you know, just the idea that you can get, you can truly like get something from one relationship that is very different from another. And it doesn't make one better than the other. It's just different, you know? And like, I don't know, it's actually helped me to get over some breakups where I've been like, Okay, I've seen, you know, situations where like the bachelor really liked the runner up and they had so much fun, but there was just something about the girl he went for, you know, and like, I don't know, I'd really do like it sort of heartens me of like, okay, there's a pot for every lid and you just got to find yours. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Who knew the bachelor is like the new answer to therapy or. You know. I know, honestly. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, a good answer, but I didn't realize the answer would be that deep and very nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm just in, I'm impressed with the amount of content that is able to come out of like, cause like, like one of our other friends has got a podcast about the, the bachelor. And then like, I see like other yeah. podcasts about the bachelor and I'm just like, Missing out. I should watch this
0: all these shows. They become their own franchises, and then yes. they have like seventeen different shows under them. Oh,
2: exactly. Yeah.
0: I used to totally be like, Meh, but now I have a similar reaction to you. I don't watch The Bachelor, but we do watch plenty of like, you know, ridiculous ninety-day fiance is mm-hmm. one of our me and They'll Hillary.
2: Into and A
0: lot of times, I'm, I can't physically look at this right now because yeah. it's making me so like angry. <laughs> but <laughs> but sometimes it's just like. If you take that away, you're like, this is the most ridiculous, hilarious shit ever. Because yeah. these people are like, yeah, you can see it. You're like, wait, what? Why? What? Why are you acting that way? I know. <laughs> like- I know. <laughs> There's
1: you're this show it? on Netflix. So I was, somebody had mentioned that like, uh, at a friend's house. Oh, did you not watch that show on Netflix? It's a dating show in which uh, the person in the, on the first date is wearing the same outfit for every date. And he intercut all the dates together. The show is it's nuts. And I was like, I, I just really it. just <laughs> it was like it might as well be like cocaine from my eyeball. I'm going <laughs> crazy. I was like, what is this show? <laughs> and like the dates were cringy. And I was like, Ugh. but they're all they're all wearing the same outfit that she's like each person of the date. They're wearing the same outfit and they're just splicing the dates together. Is
2: banana? That's a bulk.
0: <laughs> I, I saw some of that, and then at the end, like you see which person that they ended up with. Like, yeah, yeah. Shows they go on wow. like three different dates or whatever, and they pick one at the end, and you see them all. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of cool. <laughs> wow.
1: I was the first one was in New York, and I was thoroughly entertained by it.
2: Yeah, that's a cool premise. I, when you first started talking, I thought you were just going to say that it's like a dating show where someone wears the same outfit and it just sees how long it takes for the guy to be like, "Do you wear that ever last <laughs> time? <laughs> like an
1: episode
0: of Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, if it's the guy <laughs> figuring it out, they'll never
1: notice. I know. Truly, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you look great tonight. Is that new? the show. The show, the mm-hmm. show was the show was incredible. And then like, uh, yeah, I was like. Someone was like, "He got to watch the dating show on Netflix." I forget what it's called. So I was like, I was watching. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> That's nuts. And then, like, uh, one of the dates goes horribly wrong, and then, like, uh, the dude like storms out. He's like, "I can't believe this!" And then she ends up dating the cameraman. Like, uh, like what? you find out like what happens, like what happened after that. Oh my god, I love like, it. You're trying to console her because she's like crying, and then they're filming this. It was like, oh my gosh! It was like, everybody, just stop, stop this fucking shit. they start going they start dating oh my god I love
2: it I love it that's so cool
1: it's amazing it's amazing (laughs) so the, uh, the last thing we want to get into before we play our game is I texted you about this and Dave was super excited to talk about this because Dave's fiance also knows you and wants to hear your thoughts about candles and your podcast, Two Weeks Minimum. What should we, we be getting as far as candles this fall? And I, we're now getting in the winter. I've actually mentioned this to you. Like, uh, I texted you about this the other
2: day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I honestly... I so my pro-
1: text most but it was ridiculous. It's like, <laughs>
2: there's like a weird odor in here. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh, I need some candle racks. I'm like, you'd be amazed how many people contact me for candle racks. Let's hear um, it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean... Actually, I think it may be over by now. But just the other day, uh Bath and Body Works was having a buy one get one sale for triple wicks. So, like, because normally their triple wicks are twenty four fifty, and you know, what I mean, twenty four dollars and fifty cents, yeah, like a big
0: ass thing, with yeah, yeah. and it
2: has like three, yeah, yeah, the three wicks. I mean, that's the clutch part because then you get great throw. I mean, that's part of why my podcast is called two wick minimum. Okay. You know, right. like right.
1: so like, you gotta you gotta you gotta get a
2: I just like that you're like throwing like, out like, all these like insider jargon. Yeah, 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 terms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is real like, candle conversation. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, this is why talk I wanted to i about like about an this. alien.
1: <laughs> it was like, "Hey, listen, we know you just got the earth just now." <laughs> 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 what are all the stuff that you're just like it's got a great what? I'm writing Throw. this down.
2: Yeah. bro. Yeah. So, so when like the scent distributes better if you have more wicks, which is why sometimes you'll see like a diptique candle with like five wicks. And the throw is just the scent distribution, basically. And so if you have a single wick, you know, you don't have a ton of throw. Like, that is, you know, that could be good for, like, a bathroom or a small room. But if you have, like, a big room or if you really want a powerful scent, you got to do two wicks minimum. Um, (laughs) Check out my pod. Although my pod, I've been very lazy about it. But as far as, I mean... Yeah, it's funny. Like I always joke around whenever it's a rainy, gloomy day. You know, like it's kind of a downer weather, but I always like it because it's good candle weather. All you want to do on a gloomy day is light a candle. I mean, I do all the time anyway, but but for fall, I love fall scents that are like outdoorsy. I mean, I generally like outdoorsy scents. I don't like food scents generally. I really like nature scents that are like fresh or You know, in the fall, there's a lot of scents where like, I'm not even sure what it's going to smell like, but if it's called like leaves, I'm like, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I think it's going to be great, you know? Or I just was talking last night about Bath & Body Works has a candle called Winter. And I'm like, I don't know what you are, but I think I'll like you, you know? (laughs) So I love for fall, they have like one, Bath & Body Works has one called Sweater Weather. I just like those sort of warm fall scents. And then winter, I mean, all day, every day, give me that balsam candle. I just love a Christmas tree scented candle. In fact, on two-week minimum, Many a few episodes back, maybe like five episodes back. I have an episode where me, uh, Aaron Leaf, and I Aaron Leaf's a great friend of mine. We do like a full Christmas tree candle roundup where we have like five different options, and we like sniff them and rank them. It's a really good, a good episode. Yes. Um, but you know what? I just ordered. I just ordered two candles from a place called Park Parks Project. and the money goes to like some national park fundraiser. And they have one that's a, um, it's like a balsam scent and it's really nice. And then I got another one, sort of a Joshua tree scent. Like I have no idea what it's going to be, but yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Yeah. I know it's like very outdoorsy stuff. Um, and, you know, for Christmas time, some people like, you know, the sort of like butterscotch or like cinnamon stick. And like, it's just not for me, you know, there's but-
0: like a sweetness thing. Like, I know that's weird with smell, but you know what I mean? Like there's like a, there's like a, some of them are too. They, they,
2: yeah, some of them yeah. are like, oh, I know. I know. I mean, Yankee Candle has one that, like, basically is like vanilla cupcake. Yeah. And, like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, you'll like get a cavity yeah. just smelling it. Yeah. It's like
0: thick. You're like,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you're, like getting through the air. You're like, this yeah. air is viscous. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like, I gained five pounds going to the bathroom.
2: <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, but, but yeah, also over the summer. And on my, my, I have an Instagram and a Twitter for two-week minimum. And over the summer, I tried to highlight smaller candle companies because I know I tend to talk a lot about like, you know, the like big name, what we call big candle, which is, you know, like your Yankee candle, Bath and Body Works. But there are some great smaller companies. And over the summer, especially, I often would post lists of Black-owned businesses of candle companies. Like Harlem Candle Company is a local one. They are great. Um, There's also one I was just burning last night that's from... What's it called? It's like Southern. Uh, oh, I forget the name of it. We but, got um, one from a
0: company called Lit by Sunshine. Oh, neat. It's phenomenal. And her the names that this woman uses for the candles are hysterical.
2: Oh, like that's after
0: right. After the Jada Pinkett, Will Smith thing, they she had a candle named Entanglement.
2: I thought was <laughs> That's great. Yeah. yeah, there are so many good small candle companies out there um and it's so nice to support them because like i mean bath and body works is great and like it is sort of nice to know exactly what you're getting like sweater weather you know what you're like i know sweater weather i'm familiar with it but it's nice to support these smaller ones because like, you know they're like homemade small batches cute packaging unique scents unique you know like names i
0: feel like there's so many there's a million like There's endless possibilities with candles, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's why it's so cool that so many of these small... I like those ones, too, like you, like, uh, that are really woodsy and outdoors. There's one that we have that's, like, it's, like, teak. It's, like, very, like, uh, you know, like, hipster dude. Like, yeah. teak wood and yeah. like beard oil or some shit. Oh, I know. I, you know.
2: I, I find the marketing of good. candles, male, like male market, like the marketing of candles to yes. men is so, yeah, it's always like, oh, like worn leather wallet. Yeah, it know. looks like a
0: military item or something. Like, an, like Yeah, it's like an yeah. army so ration. Like
2: tobacco smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, oh, oh. <laughs>
1: yeah. Unemotional.
2: <laughs> George, are you burning any candles lately? Are you need, no, but I, I,
1: I need to step on my game because like the, the reason why i had text you is, is because the windows in my apartment are at the end mm-hmm. kitchen is in the middle so yeah. whenever i make something that isn't that includes like something that has like a smell to like onions it mm-hmm. lingers for a solid yeah. two hours yeah and i can't just open all the windows yeah i can't do anything so like i yeah. need something to sort of just just to kill that whole thing
2: mm-hmm. so, that's
1: kind of this like because I was like in there making food, and I'm like, yeah. And then I was like, oh man, that's still here. Shit. Yeah. <laughs>
2: no. Like someone else making onions. Oh, that's still me. Yeah, was, like, okay. that still, that's still me. That's still me.
1: <laughs> so, so we know, we're gonna go and play our game. So, whenever we have a guest, we always do like some sort of thing. We had a draft in which we drafted certain players to be certain football players to star in our own heist movie. Uh, mm. For you, we. Uh, I I know that you love Boston-based movies, and mm-hmm. that, as I was making my list. I realized that I also like Boston-based movies. And uh so we're gonna power rank our top five favorite Boston movies. And I know that you've uh you've got some thoughts about this. So mm-hmm. you as our guests, and then Dave's gonna go next, and then I'm gonna go next. So of course we're gonna there's gonna be some movies that are repeat because there's like because there's a lot of these movies are are, are favorites, a lot of these people, but I've got a few on my list I don't think are gonna be on y'all's list. So with that being said, Selena, number five, what is your f- your your fifth favorite Boston
2: movie of all time. All right. Get ready for a deep cut and a curveball, boys. Okay. Um, love <laughs> I love it. I, I get I I would be stunned if either of you have ever heard of this movie. It is a movie, a like made, I think it was made in the early nineties. It's called Southie Colon, toughest city in America. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I don't think I have, but I, I want
2: to. Yes, it actually I've Sa- As young... someone has been to Southie. yes yeah it stars a young will arnett like which is so bonkers and i actually met the film creator at the boston comedy festival a couple years ago and i was like you wrote he was like you made southie and he's like you saw it i was like yes um it's just like you know it's just a low budget local movie but it just kills me that and actually rose mcgowan's in it i believe it's like so random yeah it's so odd but yeah it just kills me that southie toughest city in america (laughs) so that's my number five pretty deep cut i know
0: nice They do know that they're not a city, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, what is going
1: on here? Babe, what's your number five?
0: Okay, so I was also like, I I like Boston movie Sue, but I like I started thinking about them, and I was like, all these movies are the same fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I'm glad that you you hit us with with one that I had no, I I had not heard. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, in in that respect, I, my number five is The Verdict, 1982 mm-hmm. courtroom drama. From Sidney Lumet, dude. That's a good film. Written by David Mamet. George Manet. is not George is it. In his head. And <laughs> yeah, George not a, feeling it. A person. Fuck off, Dave. That was my that number we...
1: four. <laughs> oh, okay. oh.
0: Uh, that's my yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like with rankings and shit. Like I, I'll have it if we did this tomorrow. Like I have a different number. You know, yeah. I mean? like I, I don't know. Who knows? But but uh, but yeah, that's a good that's a good movie. Paul Newman, someone we mention uh, a lot on this show, because um, you know it's Paul Newman. But uh, yeah, he's he's great in it. And uh, yeah, it's written by David Mamet. So it's super like pithy and, you mm-hmm. know, that courtroom drama. It's like uh, it's like a warm bath. So, uh, yeah, that's my number five. The verdict. George,
1: Um, uh, I'm going to do a little bit deeper on the verdict. So I'm glad you didn't touch on the things that I liked about the movie. So I'm going to go to my number five. My number five. I love Coming of Ages and I'd, I would be remiss to not mention at least one movie by the Fairleigh Brothers. Because they're mm. very, very New England. They got Cam is yeah. uh, and Roger Clemens as cameos in their movies. So my number five is Outside Providence. I think Outside oh, Providence yeah. is ridiculously funny. Like I said, I love Coming of Ages. I like Coming of Ages from the seventies too because he got that great yeah. classic rock soundtrack. He calls his kids ass bags, Alec Baldwin, <laughs> and then just every time he says it and he calls his his uh, eldest son uh, dildo. You think about that dildo, and he just he just he's just, <laughs> he just the star of that movie. And shout out to George Went and uh Richard mm. James, who are also like his 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 card playing buddies in the movie. Outside Providence, it's fucking funny. And it's a nice hour and a half. So that's you can count me in for that. So yeah, that's my number five. So Selena, what's your number four?
2: Number four, <clears throat> the town. Now, I think the town, there are many things about it that don't work, that are like kind of overwrought or like almost a cartoonishly Boston. But there are a few things that really work. Like um, that, why am I forgetting the cute girl's name? Um, Blake Lively. Yeah, Blake Lively. You know, she plays this sort of local trash girl who's like never going to get out of her hometown. And like just the, like her costuming and the tattoos, it's really well done. And just like how sad she is and like that she's going nowhere. And Ben Affleck, I mean, obviously great accent, of course. And I love John Hamm, in his role, like where he's kind of needling them. And I love so much when he's like, oh, we're not, you know, rolling a stropping shop with a box of quarters, like, is that- <laughs> Like, I mean, I remember I was watching it with my boyfriend and he's like, wow, he goes, he's really bad at a Boston accent. And I was like, no, 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 he's making fun of the he's Boston accent. He's making fun accent. of them, yeah. yeah. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, But so, like, even, I mean, even that moment, it's like, you you got, you got kind of got to know, like, Boston to know that. You know, like, I don't know. I just, the town, I mean, it's not a perfect film and there are many things about it that are a little, you know, cliche. Of, like, but I do love, he's like, I'm putting this whole town in my rear You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah. I really like that flick. So that's my number four.
0: And nice. Jer- Jeremy Renner's awesome in it too.
2: Yes, he's great. Yeah. And, and like, you know, the tattoo of the 02127, you know, like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like, yeah. Like, I mean, you have a lot more experience with that than I do living in Southie. But like, to me, at least in my, like, those those are real guys. Like I, I've met those guys. Oh, yeah. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: And that, the action in the town is really good too. Um,
2: I know it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I kept it off. Cause I, I kind of feel the same way. And I, I like there, like I said, there's so many movies that, that I felt were like sim- very similar movies, but so yeah. I'm going to do my number four and we'll keep it in the, uh, the Ben Affleck world and, uh, Good Will Hunting because mm. now you might say that that's low. Honestly, I haven't I seen, seen it in kind of a long time, so I'm like worried that it's cornier than I like I remember it being a little bit corny and I'm worried mm-hmm. that it's like even cornier than I remember, but I still think it's very good. And like it is, it is. I mean, Matt Matt Damon is a really good actor. He's really good in it. Robin Williams is very good. It's very understated. I think mm-hmm. I Stellan Skarsgard, it's good. It's still good. Not ah, great, but yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. George.
1: My number 4 is was Dave's number 5 but actually my number 4 is different for the reason why you have it as number 5 is the the Sydney Lament and the David Mamet stuff is is whatever. I like I was like an aging Paul Newman in a courtroom drama drinking bushmills ordering <laughs> steak at the local bar falling in love with the chick who's just like across the bar telling bad jokes sign me the fuck up. For that. <laughs> Like I'm like a, like all these movies that I've are on my list are all genres of movies that I love, and the uh, the verdict to me is basically a sports movie because he's like because at the end he it has it's like the the play of the game he does that summation at the end you're just like oh man it was like this and that's and that's the greatest of all time. Yeah. Also in eighty one I think I think Paul Newman is uh, sixty six. Yeah, that's a good looking guy, and, and like in nineteen eighty one oh, like yeah. he's like attractive. There's uh the only part that I don't like I don't I don't I don't when son, they purposely
0: was, made him look bad like yeah they like, made hey, him look puffy and yeah
1: yeah he's smoking cigarettes and uh, Jack Warden and hanging out as it's like his buddy that like is also his mentor this down and out lawyer getting drunk and a bar. just the fact that he's ordering steak in the bar there's a, <laughs> a move there's a scene movie where he, he has the shot of Bushmills and he yeah doesn't use his hands <laughs> yeah
0: he like drinks <laughs> his <laughs> his shot,
1: yeah. <Kalabia>. Sign me up for that yeah. shit. I can watch that uh, all day long. Also, short. It's two hours long, so shout out to to the crew that made that. But yeah, now, Paul Newman just getting shit-clocked in the, mm. in the verdicts. Uh, Selena, what's your number three?
2: All right, number three, Mystic River. Okay. I, I really like Mystic River. The shots, I found the cinematography beautiful. Also, they uh, they hired a lot of like local actors. So like there were a couple of comedians I knew who had small roles in it. And and they filmed at there was a really famous bar, which tragically is closed now because of COVID-19. I think they just couldn't make it through. But it was like known every Democratic politician who would visit Boston went to this bar. It's in Jamaica Plain. I'm blanking on the name of it. I've done stand-up there. Um, but it's just sort of this classic Boston bar. Like, they have literally a, like, shrine to JFK there. You know, it's, like, so Boston Catholic. And, I mean, and it's been a minute since I've seen it, but I just remember, like, you know, um, Sean Penn has, like, the cross tattoo on his back. Like, oh, yeah. just some of the visuals are so vivid. And the shots of, you know, like, uh, the street scenes. Like, I just thought it was a really well-presented representation of the city and very accurate, for better or worse.
0: All right, Dave. Cool. All right. Um, I also love Mystic River. I was debating putting that on my list. Honestly, like it's just how I'm feeling right now. It's just so, it's just such a fucking heavy movie, you know? And there's like not a lot of levity in it, but, Mm -hmm. but it is, I do think it's amazing. And I I do think it's shot unbelievably well. Yeah. But my number three is kind of an older one. And it's also like, it's also like a specific Boston type of movie, like the, 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 Heist crime movie like the town, but I went with the uh, The Friends of Eddie Coyle from 1973. Oh. Yeah. With uh Robert Mitchum, which also his accent, it's Boston, but it's more Robert Mitchum than anything. And mm. and like you can't, you have you almost have to put the subtitles on because he's it's so thick. But that movie is super cool, it's really stylish. Uh the the like fence bartender is Peter Boyle you know Ooh. pre pre uh uh everybody loves Raymond Peter Boyle um when he was like acting and good um but uh yeah that's it's a really like very stylized I I think that movie's really good friends of Eddie Coyle 1973 that's my number three George check it out it's really good
1: um my number three theme, is but. like uh my number three is uh because I I, I saw the fights in real time were uh the, even though it's not, it's it's only mentioned in the movie, but it's not shown. Anybody has ever saw, at least saw the first two Mickey Ward Arturo Gotti fights, were instantly became a fan of uh, of Mickey Ward. So mm-hmm. when they were gonna make a movie about his life as a fighter before those fights, I was like, sign me the fuck up. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're my number three, and I love sports movies. The Fighter is really really good, and it's so much fun, and uh, is as good as uh, Mark Wahlberg is. He's like, of course you knew he was gonna be good, and it's great. As um, uh, Christian Bale, is, as a, as as the younger brother, he does he does this this great thing of like the way he moves. It's like it wasn't just yeah. the, the accent; it was the attitude, which is one of the things I've talked to you about, like just that boxing and attitude. Is like that kind of goes with the accent. Sign me up for fucking Melissa Leo in that part, and Amy uh-huh. Adams as his as his wife. And I didn't think she had it in her because Amy Adams isn't hood like that. But when yeah. she's cutting the sisters. On the yeah. deck of the the, of the, of the front house, it yeah. cracks me up every time. It's like it's like you just fuck off my fucking porch. Just like yeah. it's, it's so funny. <laughs> <But> I mean, <laughs> it's like, fucking gag. it's just, skank.
2: <laughs> all right. And I love, like, the scissors. It's just like a harem of, like, not good-looking yeah, yeah, yeah. girls with attitude. You know, it just reminds me so oh, much really. of, like, my childhood. It's yeah. Put the like, <laughs>
1: fucking, fucking hair out your head. It's, like, it's <laughs> hilarious. And I didn't think Amy Adams could get there, but she's great. Yeah. And yeah. She Julia won the Oscar for that movie It's great. It's, mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's, Mark Wahlberg, is, he's, he's good. I mean, of course, he's going to be good in that movie because he didn't have to reach too far for it. But everybody else, oh, man, it's awesome. Mm. The Fighter, <laughs> my number three.
2: Nice. <laughs> so you know number two. Okay, number 2. Uh this is a movie that I sometimes used to mix up with the town. It is it's Gone Baby Gone. Okay. And I really like this movie. I think the cinema, the cinematography, they have these gorgeous overhead shots and it's a lot of playing with reflections. Like it's just beautifully shot. The DP did an amazing job on that. Um and obviously, I mean Casey Affleck I think is a fantastic actor and like he just nails it you know with like i mean a the accent but b like just the attitude the clothing you know he's always wearing the adidas tracksuit uh jacket you know like just sort of looks like a schlub and then it ends with not a happy ending you know like oh. the ending is very like uh oh. such is life i guess okay you know and and amy um why am i blocking on her amy name? ryan oh amy ryan oh i mean what god. a transformation oh my that, like, god he yeah. is a trash bag, like, (laughs) again, like, the jewelry is perfect, it's kind of fussy, and little, and there's a lot of it, like, and the rings, like, she's just, like, her whole look is perfect, and, yeah, like, it's just, I don't know, I felt like it was just really, really well done, Um, and it's a Dennis Lehane novel, and he, you know, like, nails it, I mean, he's such a fantastic writer, um, and really nails the Boston experience, I think, does he mostly, he writes Boston all the time, right? Pretty
0: much, yeah, I mean, except when he wrote on The Wire, but, like, all of his Mm -hmm. novels and stuff, I think yeah. maybe one or two of them is in New York, but they're almost okay. All Boston. Yeah.
2: Mystic yeah, so, River is him too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, Gone Baby Gone. I really liked it. Uh yeah, that's my number two.
1: Number two, nice. Go ahead, Dave.
0: All right. So mine is my number two is of all the Boston like cop crime movies, yeah. I picked. I, I I'm going with the departed. Because, oh my gosh because to me like i was because I think gone baby gone is amazing like i, I really think it's very good um the town the, all those movies are good they're entertaining but the departed for me like it's hysterical it's almost a comedy i mean yeah. every person in it is like got their own bit and it's like i i always hear just like uh i'm not a co-op <laughs> <That's, laughs> you're not a co-op Yeah, I I don't even know that that I don't even know who I'm quoting there. I literally could be (laughs) quoting any person in the fucking movie because they all have like the most ridiculous over the top Boston accents. Yeah, but But the accents
2: killed me. And and as we
0: talked about it, though, like you said, like it's bad Boston accents, but like that is what it is. Like if you go to Boston and you meet a cop or you meet, Mm -hmm. you know, some like an old school Southie person, they do speak. Talk like that, like it is, it's really like right that. But-
2: also, there is I, I, one of my favorite lines in all of cinema is in that movie, and it's it's recited by Mark Wahlberg's brother. There's like a million Wahlbergs, but and he's just like play some role. But they ask, you know, they ask if like there's a mole in, um, you know, like in the bad guys, like crew, and he goes, maybe yeah, maybe no, maybe fuck yourself,
0: maybe fuck, yourself. <laughs> maybe fuck yourself. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: good. so good, I love that line. Uh,
0: yeah, that whole movie is so quotable. Uh, like I said, it's so much fun. I mean the performances in it are really good, and it's one of those movies that it's it's a it's it's technically a remake of mm-hmm. this Hong Kong action movie Infernal Affairs. And personally, I like they're very similar movies, but I think the part is it's better. It's a better movie, um, and uh, yeah, It's my number two uh, Boston movie, The Departed, Martin Scorsese.
1: George, my number two is already mentioned. So I'm just going to talk about this, this, this one thing. Well, the two things, my number two is the town. I, I love a good heist movie. Uh, it borrows heavily from the heat. But the cool thing about the town, the town is only two hours long, two hours and four minutes long. But my favorite thing about it is the people who don't have lines. Like my guy who works at the flower shop with the with the Massachusetts tattoo and the yeah. I get it. That yeah. was like a scary fucking dude. Like yeah. he, he didn't have to. He didn't have to play like he was scary because he is a scary dude. That was just a guy that they they're like, hey, this guy would be great. And he has no lines. He just shakes hands. That's his move. Comes yeah. out a shotgun at the end of the movie. So sign <laughs> me up for that. Also, like I mentioned in like the fighter, like the the, the Boston accent, which is always bad, which is usually bad in movies. I don't know anything about it, but the attitude is what sells it. And Jeremy Renner. The attitude that he has, because he's about to blow <laughs> in any moment. I love when it's like they go, they, they go to this house. Hey, I've got, we got to go beat, we got to go hurt some people. But you can't actually, why? It's like, <laughs> what car are we driving? <laughs> 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 and then I get to the guy's house and get shit out of him. And he starts like going like, "Ham, hey, it's great. And then any great heist movie, the last heist has got to be, it's got to be fun and highly rewatchable. And that heist at the course at Red Sox Stadium. By the way. It's like oh, anyway, it's, got, so it's, cool. it's it's so much fun. Yeah, I mean, so like, uh, yeah. If it's if, it's, oh, if it's, so I'm so flipping through channels, which I do often because I'm one of the few people that still has cable. If I'm flipping through channels, if that's so on, I'm like, all right, I'll watch this for like saw thirty minutes. and That's the key of the great movie. Yeah, and shout out to the the for Affleck for the other dude, the the other two dudes in the crew who aren't actors, who look legit. Mm-hmm. Like the guy is a rapper, and the guy, the other the skinny guy. They're okay. You knew those guys were gonna die, but like they're 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 great. That's great casting. Team, so. My number yeah. two, the tap.
2: Nice. All right, number one. Number, number, one. one number one. I've
1: got an idea what
2: it is. <laughs> yeah, my number one, and I maybe I'm a basic bish, but it's Goodwill Hunting, baby. <laughs> nice. Oh, oh, I mean, uh, Goodwill Hunting. Like here, I think Goodwill Hunting. It just so brilliantly pairs. Uh, I feel like it really exposes the sort of academic Harvard aspect of Boston. Against the South Boston towny thing, you know, and like, and explores that tension so beautifully. And it's interesting because I think it dovetails with, you know, like the Boston accent. There are actually two Boston accents. There's the Kennedy Brahmin accent, which is like, my aunt, like, ask not what you could do for your country. And then there's the more blue collar, younger generation Bill Ricka, like, let's go into swap and shop, get some lobsters, get some Chardonnays. And and I love that *Goodwill Hunting*. Like that, they sort of present that duality in, you know, like I don't. I think it's just neat that like there's this duality of accent, duality of city, like sort of experience and classes, and that very much is reflected in *Goodwill Hunting*. Um, and yeah, man. I mean, I remember junior year in high school seeing this in the theaters, and when he's like, "It's not your fault." <laughs> oh God, that's what I needed to hear. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my number be- one *Goodwill Hunting*.
1: I, I love that it's number one, and I kind of knew that it would. But that would be like I actually watched it probably like two months ago, and the uh, the part that that bums that, the things that bum me out is that that uh, Ben Affleck and uh, Cole Hauser and Casey Affleck are in it more because yeah, they're yeah. they're <laughs>
2: <Yeah, laughs> yeah. just just oh. three
1: drunken idiots. I'd
2: like, love idiots. to see yeah a spinoff about them. They're, they're so funny.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Cole is so funny! He's like, uh, and he's like being serious. I, I think that's that's a very underrated part of the movie. And when Ben Affleck is like is talking about like a retainer, that shit's like <laughs> he's wearing yeah. that awful suit with the mismatched socks. Oh, yes. Wow.
2: Um, yeah. And wait, how friggin' mass is this? Uh remember the scene where they're like driving and he's like, You'll we'll put your Burger King on, or your McDonald's on layaway or whatever. <laughs> and then they pull over and they like kick the shit out of those guys in the um on the basketball court. I went to high school with one of those guys in the basketball court. <laughs> <laughs> ben Mascolo. Yup.
1: <laughs> awesome. So nice number one. So today, what's your number one? All right.
0: Um, yeah, I gotta watch uh Goodwill Hunting again. I feel like it would be be higher on my list. Um But my number one is my number one Boston movie is The Social. I think, yeah, I know it's not maybe a movie that you think about when you think Boston, but because it's not like specifically about Boston, but to me, like Facebook started when I was in college Mm -hmm. and I also. Fuck Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Caveat, uh, caveat. Fuck fuck Facebook. Well, that's why, that, but that's part of the reason why it's my number one because I don't think, I know that it's total dramatization and it's Aaron Sorkin written and, you know, it's Jesse Eisenberg and you can't take that as like true. But honestly, I really do think it gives you insight into like who Mark Zuckerberg is and like why he's such a shitbag. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because he didn't know how to socialize, you know, essentially. (laughs) um yeah as you see so well in that movie but uh but facebook was like a thing like it started when i was in college and it was only boston uh it was only school you had to be at school you had to have a, a an EDU. edu yes and it started at like i think it was like four boston schools and it was like harvard bu bc and tufts or something like that I, I don't remember but i just remember like somebody you know it was one of those things that like you'd be at a party or you'd be walking and somebody's like oh do Facebook or whatever. And after like a month, it was just like, everybody kind of had it. And I was like, man, whatever. And then like, after like a year, it was like, Oh, everyone has this. <laughs> this is uh, like a thing now and it rules our lives. Um, so yeah. And that, but I don't think we, we ever got the, we, we don't get that story of, of Mark Zuckerberg in his little, uh, Harvard dorm being a fucking misogynistic piece of shit. Um, yeah. and, uh, and also, one of the reasons why I think it's my number one movie is because when that movie came out, I mean, I I love David Fincher, but I was like, I'm really not that interested. Like, I don't care. Like I'm not, that doesn't sound exciting to me. It's not something I really care about. And then seeing it, I was like, I was, that movie was entertaining from start to finish. It's not, Mm -hmm. there's not a dull moment. It's, and it's like very, it's actually exciting, even though it's like, it's not the, if there's no it's not like action packed it's not like fat super i mean it is fast moving but it's not uh there's not a lot that happens in it you know so yeah social network number one sticking with it the
1: the uh the thing that like first off i, I love that movie um uh, i actually think it's one of the better movies in the past like 15 years i can only think of a handful of movies that I, that I like more than that movie and whenever it's on it's not movie i'm like oh the social network is on yeah i'll watch this the uh it is it is just it's it's a lot of fun it is. Um, uh, and it's, I just like Sorkin, the, the walking and talking, the people talking to and over each other, it I might enjoy. be the I best,
0: the best version of that too. Like it might be his, it might be his best written thing, honestly. Cause that really gets old for me real fast. Uh, you know, that, that like pithiness, like, like who can be more quippy in the conversation and like, you're talking in a fucking circle, but in that story, it works really well.
1: So it's on to me. My number one. I had to. I had to really, really think about this because, like, uh, I wanted to make sure that I include like, like a like a very, very Boston movie. But if you look over my left shoulder, one of my favorite movies of all time is Jaws. The thing is, is like the technicality about Jaws. Jaws technically is a Long Island movie. They just happened to shoot that in Cape Cod, so Jaws is out. So my number one movie. Even though as much as I love Jaws and Jaws is one of my favorite movies of all time, in fact, I think it's one of the best movies of all time. The uh, my number one movie is The Departed. And it's uh, and for all the things mm-hmm. that I've already said, I'm just gonna like touch on the things that I love about that movie. The open, the, the first two minutes of them just of, like telling the story. Granted, like the Irish the 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 accent goes in and out for Jack Wilson, but who cares if Jack? He can do whatever he wants to. Yeah, he's playing. I, like, I'm yeah. I'm just excited about him just talking. And then mm-hmm. like uh as far as the Scorsese movies. The soundtrack, I mean, he's, he kind of goes like, Scorsese is going to do a lot of the same things. You're going to have the Stones, check, blah, blah, blah. I think as a soundtrack movie, I think it's his best movie. Because yeah. along with the, the the typical 70s, like, classic rock stuff, he's got the Dropkick Murphys, and that song is now everywhere on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah. You can't avoid but, it. Yeah, that song that is movie.
2: amazing. I, 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 really I don't good. work it. Yeah, I like work out always to that song. It's so good. And, and totally that whole scene is so like, yeah. yeah.
0: That movie is so exciting. Like, it's not – like, I don't know if it I, – I wouldn't even say that, like, it's his best. But, honestly, it might be his most entertaining movie because, I mean, it's not – there's not a second. It's it's fun. It's so much fun.
1: I can think of one that's a little bit more entertaining because I think it's a little bit funnier. The other thing that, like, I, I love is, like, uh, I love Kevin Corrigan. So, whenever Kevin Corrigan has anything, it's like, yeah, count me in. And then, like, him and they're, – they're, they're just the choice of vehicle – Leonardo DiCaprio, Kevin Corrigan driving around in that shitbox fucking Mustang, listening to Thief theme by Nas. Yes, fired <laughs> me up. I love that. Yes, <laughs>
0: yes. I was <laughs> gonna say like they're listening to Thief's theme. Yeah, yeah. It's it was
1: ridiculous. like it's just yeah. and that line that he has about like uh, everybody's just like uh, the thing about selling drugs is like we shouldn't be selling, we shouldn't be this close to Georgia. I just, I just love it. No, I, I and it's uh, I was watching it like. Probably it's it's on all the time. And I, I find myself gotta kind of watching something, at least like giving it a sniff for 15, 20 minutes. It's wickedly entertaining. Um uh, and uh it's one of the few movies of, of Leonardo DiCaprio is in that he looks like a man, like mm-hmm. he looks like a grown-up, like a grown person. Like another movie yeah. looks like a child trying to be a man, and this movie mm-hmm. actually looks like a grown-up. So and that at this I, I think he's probably in his 20th for this movie. And I like that Matt Damon's is a bad guy, so like no, it's yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's a for a two and a half, two and a half, two hour, forty five minute movie, it's wickedly entertaining. And my last thing, which has nothing to do with the actual movie about being Boston, is one of my favorite movie experiences of all time because I saw it downtown Brooklyn uh, in like a packed theater on like a Friday night, and this guy, the movie ends, and this guy yells up, "What's in the envelope?" What's in the envelope? <laughs> so for years and years and years, my ex-girlfriend would refer to that movie theater as the What's in the Envelope movie theater. She's like, I was like, what are you doing today? I was like, well, I'm going to go see a movie. He's like, are you going to the What's in the Envelope movie theater? I was like, hey, yes, I am going to the What's in the Envelope movie theater. So
0: That's so funny.
1: shout out to her, Andrea Skoranek, for making that very, very funny joke, the What's in the Envelope movie theater. That last like, shot. Right? Yeah, the one like guy like yelling, the state
0: the house? house and <laughs> yeah. like Except the rats on the
2: rat. I don't know. I just felt like the rat. It's so like I found it a little bit eye rolly of like, oh, whoa, we get it. It, it no, totally, it's it's totally it totally is,
0: is, is but top. Top. it totally is. But for me, like the movie is so funny that I, like I just laugh. Because it's like, yeah, and now he's putting rats on the, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah,
2: I know. Yeah, I guess it did. Like, I think if you look at it as a comedy, it it works it's better. So funny.
0: Yeah, well, because also like the the Infernal Affairs is also like, it's it's not funny, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah
1: that's 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 basically our, our show and our segment with you. Thank you for coming on the show. Before we let you go, plug something for us real quick.
2: All right. Um, let's see. What shall I plug? I th- I'm hoping to get a producer and re, k- like, kind of restart two week minimum my podcast. Currently, there are I think like 18 episodes on iTunes. Uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's, you know, it's timeless. It's fun. It's silly. It's just great candle conversation, hot topics, you know. So yeah, check that out. And then my Twitter and Instagram is just my full name, S-E-L-E-N-A-C-O-P-P-O-C-K. And I also have my parody account where I pretend to be the New York Times wedding section. (laughs) N Y. Yeah. And that's NYT Vows. And that's Twitter and an Insta. And, you know, I just make fun of weddings, uh, the wedding industrial complex, rich people, wasps, New York, you know, I mean, it's, it's really fun. Although it's been tough lately. Cause there just aren't a lot of weddings going on and, you know, it's hard to brainstorm, but, but it's a fun one. So those are my things.
1: Awesome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. I've got yeah, one more thing you. i want to ask you. And as you know, uh, a place that we spent a good bit of our lives closed this week. So how would you spend the yeah. week in the cave or uh, to give it, to give it, give a nice little send off of somebody who spent um
2: I know. Oh, my God. It breaks my heart that the creek and the cave is closing up. I mean, there's just so many crazy good bonkers memories there on the back patio, in the showroom, like in the podcast studio. I mean, I feel like, you know, from 2010 or no, I'm sorry, maybe more like 2008 till, you know. 2017 it was just like where you were you know I mean on any rate like if I know if there was ever a night where I just didn't have plans I just go to the creek hang out you know have some flottas you'll see friends um it was just so much fun and I think such a sort of moment in time of our our like generation of comedy too you know which I think I mean everyone's been posting their memories and looking back and it's like yeah these are the people that we really like came up with and were our community for so many years and it's, you know, it's so sad that it's closing, but it's also like, I don't know, it's, it's just been really nice to reflect on it. I've been gathering some photos myself. Um, and yeah, because they were just like, I mean, actually, the poster right behind you, Midnight Run. It's funny, because it made me think of that old show they used to have at the Criterion. Oh, yeah, Midnight Run. Right everyone would just like do a level of drugs higher than what they normally did and then try to perform like <laughs> it was just awesome. like I mean yeah it was so bonkers there's like naked standing up there I mean just so much and then people would do a musical show or you know that's where um see you in hell started just so many fun cool shows so we will miss it but also I don't know it's sort of I mean I feel like it's it's just heartening to see all these photos and reflect on the good times
1: I took another approach with that when I posted something about it today. I said there's like you know, in a city where 80 percent of restaurants close within five years, the creek to have been open as long as it had been 14 years. That's a great run. So again, it does suck now, but I mean like that is a success. So yeah. shout out to you guys for for to the folks at the creek to, to make it make it last that long. And I, I, some of the funnest nights I've had in New York have been at that place. So. So yeah, I think I'm hoping that people are like, man, the creek it's, it's. Listen, that's just like, it doesn't, it never, nothing lasts forever. It's like, uh, yeah. it had a great run. So, Yeah. Well, sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Thank was, you so uh, much. It was a lot of fun.
2: Thank you guys so much. I had a blast. Yeah. Fun. And it really pulled me out of my hangover. So I appreciate
1: it. Laughing will do that. Laughing will do that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah I know. Truly. Talk Thanks guys. Soon. I hope to see you both soon. Yes. Right. Talk soon. Bye guys.
0: Uh, cool. That was great.
1: It ended up working out pretty well, so uh...
0: we really want to thank Selena for coming on again. That was super fun. Check her out. She plugged all her socials and everything. She's hysterical. Good person to follow. George, what's uh, what are you, uh, what are you looking for? What are you looking to
1: this week? You know, this weekend's this weekend's weird because we're in the weekend of November, and uh, one of my favorite sporting events, is, which normally is in April, is uh, this weekend, and that is the Masters. I absolutely love the Masters. Um, uh, they got Jim Nance from CBS to do the ESPN coverage. Um, uh, the Masters is such a spring event; it's a cool run of like sporting events because you got March Madness, the Masters, and then you got NBA and NHL playoffs, and you got, and then you got the uh, the Major League Baseball season starting right around the same time. So you have this run of just from March until the end of the summer, and then you got football coming up. So like, so that it's just a lot of fun. It's like for me, and I, I love the Masters. And as of uh, as of right now, we are recording this uh, Friday. They're wrapping up the second round, and they're playing the. Uh, I'm sorry, they're wrapping up the first round and playing the second round. And, and my favorite golfer is winning, Dustin Johnson. So shout out to Dustin Johnson. Hopefully he pulls it off. He's probably not because that's usually how he usually like usually flames out by like hole number 16 or 17 and finishes is about one or two shots behind but hopefully this year he pulls it off he's one of my favorite athletes because i love hearing about athletes getting hurt at home uh shout out to john wall also getting hurt at home Just like hurt at home is is basically writer's speech for like you got fucked up Yep. <laughs> yep. And you slipped and fell on the rug trying to be funny in front of all your friends.
0: You cut so, yourself so. on a knife. Yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah. dude, yeah. Dude, yeah, Carlos. Yeah, you're, you're probably in there juggling. Yeah, because you, you, know I mean? you were drunk. Like, yeah, yeah that's exactly. yeah, yeah, because they were fucked up and they fell. There
1: was a I love the baseball player who uh he, he can't play because he put a q-tip in his ear too far. It was like, no, he was fucking around.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh Sammy Sosa apparently threw out his back sneezing.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, it's like, like yeah. the athlete. <laughs> The long history of the athlete getting hurt at home has always tracked yeah. me up. And Dustin Johnson hurt his back being hurt at home. But everybody knows that he's a big time partier or was a big time partier. In fact, he had to shut apparently to shut it down because his uh his wife, his uh, his father in law is Wayne Gretzky. And Wayne Gretzky was like, You gonna marry my daughter? You need to cut that fucking shit out. So, <laughs> so the great one had to come had to step in, let him know It was like, Hey, listen, man, you gotta you need to chill out. So <laughs> anyway so the masters this weekend i know it's not april but i was watching today and it looks like the weather is great in augusta uh they i know they had a storm there if they're getting through And it and uh, it, the masters any weekend is, uh, sign me up
0: I and that. uh didn't uh, i see i haven't really watched yet i'm 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 a, I'm a i'm a as far as golf goes i'm a sunday guy i don't i watch I watch the final round i can't uh but uh didn't did tiger have a great have a good first day or something
1: I think, I, saw, he shot, I think he was 300. They were cooking that course this, yesterday afternoon.
0: I wonder... Cooking. Yeah, so do you think... So what I haven't watched yet, but... So there's no there's no gallery, right? There's no fans?
1: There, it looked like there's a few people out there, but there's not a lot. Like next year, next year, they're going to have no fans.
0: So do you think... What's your opinion? Do you think that's... Like, to me, it's either for golf with no fans, it's either an astronomical difference or it's like no difference at all you know what i mean like having fans if you're like a jittery like shook person <laughs> maybe it's great not having fans but i feel like they're all professionals and i feel like golf at, like i know. think
1: i think where people get kind of worked up and like maybe the nerves come at them is not the fans i think it's the tv cameras the tv yeah. cameras play like a, a, a large part and plus if, if you're used to these dudes are all—they're not like some jabron coming off the street. These guys have been doing this forever. Oh, They've yeah. probably been playing since they're like four years old. So it's not—it's not just the uh, the fans part. I think is because the fans are all quiet and they're jump up and down. They want to root for you. They want you to do well. They're like, "Oh my gosh, I can be do a thing." Yeah. No, I think it's the TV cameras that fuck people up. Yeah,
0: it's just like the tension. Uh, you know, that would always because it's like uh, like you're in a bowling league. I feel like it's a similar thing of yeah. you're in one space, but like everybody is crowded around you and nobody is making noise. So right. to me, it's almost more nerve wracking, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, I can't. I, my brain is like acting like I'm like, make some noise, like just don't pay attention.
1: As <laughs> you compared my bowling league to the Masters, because it's very similar, and uh, I feel the same way every time I go out there and bowl. My game is a lot different when the. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah,
0: Williamsburg bowling alleys look a lot like Augusta, Georgia.
1: They do, yeah. There's like it's, um, the azaleas. It's it's, it's it's I got people speaking in my ear, and it's funny. The uh, no, no, but the match is being played in November. I'm glad they played it. It's a lot of this. It's always entertaining to watch. I I like the pageantry of putting on a jacket. I went to a wedding once. The green jacket. He was wearing a green jacket, and we fucking rag on him. That's so much. He was like, what's, what's you this guy went Was he at the Masters?"
0: Yeah, weekend? like you can't wear <laughs> unless you're wearing a whole suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like yeah you got to like, wear a
1: green suit. Lean yeah, into. He wore, it. he wore he wore a green jacket. Like, nah, this guy at fucking Masters. this weekend?
0: It's literally like what the prize is called—the green, yeah. I mean, yeah, it green jacket. Because that's what it is—the green jacket.
1: It's a it's a different aesthetic during the during the the fall and winter, but it's still cool looking. So. Shout out to the Masters, which I'll be looking forward to this weekend. What about you? What do you got going on this weekend? All
0: right. Well, just things, just general things I'm looking for this week, looking at. I hope that Tony La gets fired (laughs) before he manages the game for the White Sox because I don't even need to go into it. Sarah Spain, which you sent me, she, as you put it, uh, went scorched earth. Kill that. <laughs> um yeah she yeah she said everything i would want to say which is like you know he's the exact long choice for this team for so many fucking reasons but then that was even before the new allegation you know not new allegation but just we found out you know that he got another dui and you know whatever but like he has many public duis so it's like in the very least bad judgment and also like he has a lot of money he could just hire a driver if you want to go out and get shit face um but anyway i just think it's funny like the things he said you've heard about the interaction he had with the cops when he got pulled over first of all he said he's the first thing he said to them was like i think i hit i hit something when i got on the 45 like what do you mean you hit something (laughs) like what so yeah and then he said he flashed his ring and he said he was a hall of fame baseball person so yeah fuck that guy Hopefully he gets fired before he doesn't even get to manage the game. Unlikely because him and Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, are buddies, are very close buddies. <laughs> but I just wanted to, you know, rant on that for just one second because fuck Tony La Russa. And it's just such a shame because that team is so entertaining and so fun. And also, like, they're super outspoken and and vibrant and like Tim Anderson and like Tony La Russa is on record as being a fucking bigoted scumbag. You know, so it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough to take that hire. But anyway. Uh, the other thing I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm, I'm knee deep in my fucking, uh, my tape, uh, but is the draft, the NBA draft. It's like, you know, I love this shit. I, uh, I also love this draft because we talked about it and we talked about how, you know, there's and and this is a thing that that people say because because we hear it because you know this it's what the pundits and the experts say is that it's a top heavy draft. You know, it's a three three person draft or two person draft or whatever the fuck you want to say. But what I was listening to somebody say. I'm forgetting exactly what it was, but, you know, another one of these experts, whatever it is, that there's actually a lot of depth and there's a lot of players that they might not be stars, but they're going to be solid, solid starters or rotational players on good teams. And also, you know, there are guys, I think that there are always guys, some of these guys that I've looked like, a, like Isaac Okoro or somebody like that. I'm just throwing that out, that name out because I was... Like I said, I was looking at, at Prep earlier. Um, but he's a guy that like is projected to go in the mid round, but he could go earlier, could go later, because he's a guy who immediately he's the def- defensive, he's a great defender, and his offensive game, they are expecting things, but they don't know. And it's like, you know, so there's a lot of like to me, that sounds exactly like a guy that the Bulls took years ago with the 30th pick, and his name happens to be Jimmy Butler, who turned into the best player on a championship-contending team, arguable if he's the, their best player, maybe Bam. But Jimmy Butler's—you know—he still got it. So my point is, I'm just really interested. There's so many different that because there is no consensus of like even the top, the top pick. There isn't a consensus. I think it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of action. It's gonna be really exciting because people are gonna fall that didn't expect to fall. Teams are gonna make trades. The Knicks are probably going to pick the wrong person, as they always do, and we're going to love that. <laughs> they're probably going to get like everything going to fall right for them. They're going to get their choice, and they're still going to blow it. So yeah, that's always entertaining. My yeah, I don't even know. I don't want to. I I kind of want. I I'm hoping that Killian Hayes falls to four. But but again, they it's so up in the air. Le- I legitimately think Lamelo Ball could go number one, or he could legitimately go out of the lottery, out of the top fourteen. You can almost never say that about the perspective. I mean, this guy's number one pick on like a lot of people's mock drafts and, and like very well may be the number one pick. And and if he is, nobody's going to be like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, that guy was supposed to be the number. If he falls to like, Matt, what if he falls to the Knicks at eight? You know what I mean? And that's great. It, there's
1: I, there's, a, there's a camp out there that says that like, it's either one or it's seven, because once he gets out of one, there is no need for him after two, three, four, five, and six are already like, no, he, I also hear that he hasn't interviewed well, and he comes off as a dick.
0: Totally. And I, I'm sure all of that is true. And and like I said, I'm not even making a judgment either way. I'm just saying that, like, you know, it's so cool that nothing is, nobody knows what is going to go on. And, 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 and there's so many different opportunities because in that respect, like, I, I'm inclined to agree with you on, like, 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 I'm looking at it, like, let me say that I was like the Bulls GM or whatever, and they're picking four, and like LaMelo falls to four. My gut reaction, I'm like, I don't really want him. But at the same time, like, if he's there at four, like, you kind of got to do it. You know what I mean? Or, or like, if he, the farther he falls, there's going to be serious conversations of like, well, we have to take a chance because if we get this guy, say we get this guy at number six or seven or eight or nine, and he turns into a superstar, like we're, you know, we're geniuses or or whatever. But like, it's like, I think that talent, his talent level is too enticing. Like somebody's gonna, I'd be shocked if he falls out the top 10, you know what I mean? Honestly, I'd be shocked if he falls out the top five, but if he does, it's going to be really interesting because all of these pieces are going to be more like, it's just, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of different machinations of, of how it can play out. And uh, yeah, we need something to occupy our time. <laughs> so I'm doing draft prep. I'm knee deep in fucking tape. I'm watching coaches tape.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what uh, Games at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah.
0: If anybody wants to pay me for this, <laughs> I'd be <Dude>. glad. <laughs>
1: If it was still in Vegas, I'd be like, "Yo, that is a dream job." (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Know Your Roles, boys and girls. Uh, We will see you all again. We got another great guest next week, so we're 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 gonna give you as everything until the end of the year. So, all right, y'all, be prepared for that.
0: Yes, everybody, uh, stay safe and uh, stay healthy.
1: And uh, my usual sign off is, uh, "Wear your fucking mask over your fucking nose." Peace. Right. You